James. Hey, Duncan. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing just fine in uh, what seems to be 2020 part two. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what better way to spend uh, another uh, set of mandated lockdown than doing another podcast? Mm. So, Duncan, what, you, what in your mind is poor messaging? Well, there's multiple parts of it. Constantly interrupting each other, I think, is poor messaging. <laughs> um, and so you can hear this like some podcasts, um, James Peck, his initials are the same as Jordan Peterson, um, was recently in a podcast with Bray Weiss. And for me, it was really hard to listen to because he was just constantly interrupting her. Um, yeah. And he had interesting things to say, but he said them in some of the most god-awful ways that I literally had to stop listening. You know, even though I thought he had good things to say, I was just like, I can't take this horrible, you know, constant interruptions. Which is okay. So, welcome to Cloud Streaks, a podcast where Duncan and I, lifelong friends, uh, get together uh, every so often to discuss a topic that we found interesting uh, quite recently. And the topic for today, uh, if you haven't guessed it already, is around messaging or the way in which that we deliver um, whatever it is that we want to communicate. And this came about rather uh, uh, unintentionally from a podcast that Duncan and I listened to from our brother from another mother, Jordan Peterson, (laughs) where he interviewed uh, Barry Weiss. And the topic of this conversation was not on what they spoke about in the interview, but how Jordan Peterson particularly spoke. Um, And so I thought, Duncan, I'd let you just share a little bit of your thoughts on that. Yeah, you heard me sort of just before, but I think when, you know, James and I started this podcast, we listened back to it. And I suppose at the beginning, if there's message and messaging, um, I was looking mainly for message. But over the, the few years now, I'm looking mainly at message. And it's been one of messaging. the biggest areas of personal messaging, yet yeah, personal growth is listening to yourself, because I think it's very, very hard. They say you don't learn from your experiences, you learn from reflecting on your experiences. And it's very hard to reflect real time. Right. So if you're not having some period where you've recorded yourself effectively, sometimes it's looking at an email you've written or, or whatever, a product you made. But verbal communication is probably a large, large, large part of what you do. <laughs> and if you're not listening to yourself communicating verbally, where you have the time to, to not just be part of the conversation, but to look at the conversation, you're probably not reflecting very well. Mm. And so this is massive area of growth. And now when I listen to podcasts from others, I suppose subconsciously before I was being affected by messaging, but I, I didn't really see it. I was just thinking about the message. And now I'm much more aware of the messaging. And I'll literally send podcast recommendations to James. Like, listen to this, listen to this. And it's only because of the messaging you know, that someone's doing. Not, I mean, not to send the message is nothing, but it's, the reason I'm excited to send it is because of the messaging. And, and that never happened. Like three years ago, I would never have sent a podcast because I thought the messaging was good or bad to look at. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, this whole idea of message and messaging, um, so to just take it one step, a message is what you say uh, or the content that you are trying to express. And messaging is how you say it. And I think it's more than just the words that you choose because uh, a lot of it can actually come down to the words you choose that affect the messaging. But for me, this was something I would just like completely unaware of. I would probably say, 
like 10 years ago, it's very safe to suggest I would I had no idea about my messaging. But even up until we started this podcast, it was very poor. And it was only when we started this, uh, this journey into not only finding a topic we found interesting, but then Duncan and I giving each other feedback on the, uh, the episode itself, did I actually start to get an appreciation for how important the way in which we craft our message is in order for us to get our overall uh, message across. Mm. It's like, <laughs> um, to me, as I, as I say, understanding happens at the ear, not the lips, right? So just because you said something, and I suppose I did, I, 10 years ago, I had no appreciation of this. Like if, if somebody didn't understand, I just thought they were either, you know, perhaps not, not very well cultivated, their mind wasn't working very well, but it wasn't me, do you know what I mean? Um, and then I just got to the first day, I was like, well, misunderstanding, right? But then it's not just misunderstanding, it's whether or not you've done it in a way where someone wants to listen to you. Um, and so these are the two questions that I really like. Uh, or maybe we talk about this, you know, when you're discussing things, there's, you can discuss facts or ideas. Hopefully you're not discussing facts, right? Because facts are the facts. You can choose your opinion. You can't choose your facts, right? But your opinion slash idea, that can and should hopefully ever evolve. Um, and if you are discussing to an idea, what matters is not, you know, whether you're right or wrong, because there is no such thing. There's just an evolution of your current thoughts. And so the questions at the end of when you've had a discussion should be, what did I learn and how does the other person feel? And I didn't understand that at all. That's your mindset, the whole mindset going into it to you. What have I learned at the end of this? Not did I crown Victor and the other person skulks away as, you know, someone who is, doesn't make sense. And how do they feel? Did you walk in and have word combat and you're bloodied and bruised both sides? Or do they feel like they'd want to come and have a discussion with you again? Mm. Well, I feel like um, to, to, to help expand um, the relevancy here, it's not even just for moments where there may be opposing ideas. I feel like this is relevant for all walks in life, for any particular conversation that you wish to have with another person. Um, and, I, and I can give um, numerous examples where even in sharing an idea like, um, you know, with uh, people that I currently work with, if I don't bring attention to the way in which I make this suggestion that I'm now aware that I can come across in ways that does not overly serve um, my intended purpose. So if I'm giving a suggestion that comes across as either lecturing or, um, you know, arrogant in such a way, then the message is going to get lost because people will receive the way in which I'm delivering it um, mm. negatively or not as constructively as possible. And so this is where appreciating that, you know, we're human beings, being social creatures, uh, it's, it's not like you're just writing programs into a computer and it will respond. It's now I've learned that I need to be able to bring awareness to how I want to deliver this message so that I can ensure give it the best chance possible of being received in a very, very open way. Like definitely, um, you know, the Maya Angelou quote, they won't remember what you said, they won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm. Um, and then also Cialdini, you know, five influences, one of which is likability, right? So if you want to influence somebody, if they don't like you, it's almost not possible. Jerry, it doesn't matter how good your idea is, if they don't like you, bad idea, you know? <laughs> um, and so to me, I didn't focus on this at all. I wasn't thinking or looking to see how we could 
you know, make my, I suppose, message. Like, how does the other person feel? And so one key way to look at this, well, do they like you more, same or less at the end of this? And if at the end of the discussion, they don't like you more, it's extraordinarily unlikely that they've listened to what you've had to say. Um, you know, so to me, each time you speak with someone, it's a chance to build a unit of likability, if you want to call it that, right? Um, and if you haven't built a unit of likability, there's no, there's no neutral. This is building like or, or building dislike, not somehow break even, right? If you just didn't do building like, then it's very unlikely that you had that your message be able to be even cons- contemplated, you know, let alone upgraded into their thing or put into what they think. So it's kind of like, don't get past go if you can't have somebody at the end of the discussion mm. like you more. Mm. Mm. Well, like, I think a really good example is the podcast that, um, in question here, which is where so Barry Weiss was talking about numerous um, episodes or um, events that she experienced at the New York Times where she was working at the time. And one of the topics she talked about was systemic racism. And I can't remember the words exactly, but Jordan Peterson interjected and he's just like, in as few words said, tell me why you think that. Now, as, as you would be very forgiven, like you, you would forgive Barry for thinking that he would be quite confronting or even antagonizing. Turbo dickish. <laughs> just turbo dickish. Yeah. What? He was being just turbo dickish. Like... It's, oh, he would be turbo dickish. Turbo dickish. <laughs> I, thought I, it was I thought I mispronounced another word. <laughs> we'll put the episode link in. No, no, no. But like, um, yeah. So he would be turbo dickish to, to use the scientific phrase. Um, and yeah. I could, I could feel in that moment Barry trying her best to not get triggered by his, mm-hmm. um, let's say, turbo dickishness. Um, and it would only much <laughs> later on in the podcast did. Jordan Peterson make any attempts to clarify that he's simply trying to open up and dig deeper into her thinking because he was interested in it. He wasn't content, uh, like trying to contend with her. He wasn't trying to combat her or say that she was wrong. He was trying to understand her. But that, to me, did not come across at all. And this is where it comes to um, the crux of the value around your messaging because... I think anyone who does not have anywhere near the level of diplomacy that Barry displayed in that moment, which I would probably say accounts for myself and a lot of other people, then <laughs> Jordan's intentions are useless because they won't go anywhere. Someone will much more likely, I would say, treat that as um, being antagonizing and get defensive rather than trying to bring it back to a neutral position. Totally. Okay. I would say that I thought Jordan's message was really good, but yeah. his messaging was extraordinarily bad. Hmm. Um, and to me, um, I had to stop listening to the podcast because I just couldn't take how much I was disliking him. So to me, he did not build a unit of likability at the end of that. Now, do I respect the dude? Yes. Do I think he's someone I'd want to be friends with? Like, I'd like to talk to him for sure, but I don't want to hang out with him on a regular basis. 
You can see like he's just a grumpy, angry, interruptory, you know, sanctimonious, you know, person. Um, well, at least that's and, how he comes across. Yeah, he comes across. I mean, and he's also had bouts with, you know, sort of mental unwell, you know, unhealth in the last year and a bit. And I, I, of course, I don't know why, but he definitely has been in, you know, sort of rehab sort of things. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, exactly. So to me, it's funny because I think that Jordan's message was more valuable or, you know, more insightful, if you want to call that, than Barry's one, right? But that Barry comes across so likable. Like, despite in the fun, in the face of extraordinary unlikability, extraordinary interrupting, extraordinary talking down to, she didn't trigger at all. She she was patient and this. And I was like, you are a champion. I wish I had your level of self-control, self-regulation, you know? Um, and so it's funny. At the end of this, I was just like, because I don't, I think I, you know, some of her views, I think are, I don't know, slightly right wing, bit, you know, you know more than me, I, I'm center left, etc. But I was just like, yeah, I really like her. And at the end of this, really don't like Peterson. Mm. Well, I think there's um, something to be said there about somebody's, like, let's chalk it up to likability because I think likability doesn't come down to what you think. It comes down to how you present yourself. And for Barry to be able to present um, different views when delivered by someone who has this likability, I think creates an environment where that can be much more well-received. As opposed to someone like Jordan Peterson, where I feel like the reason, one of the reasons why he is so heavily maligned in the media and in the public eye is because of this very, very strong persona that he portrays. Like, the, every tense word I think he would say is wrong. Like, he, he will come out with yeah, a Yeah, he would just interrupt and say, wrong, just like I did then. He'd just be like, yeah. wrong. <laughs> It's like one of the if you could think about one of like he's probably reasonably close to you know right on the message, yeah. but his messaging yeah. could not be more wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, the irony there is is, is highly enjoyable. Um, mm. So this is what happens, right? So he comes across as a, as a very contentious individual, and so the and like people who interview him, um, mainstream media will then like jump on that and keep trying to drill down to finding some core of highly, highly um, controversial um, positions. Like, you know, they tried to attach him to the far right, to even Nazis. Like that was a very small um, thing that didn't exist for very long. They tried to catch him on gender issues. They tried to catch him on equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. All of these different kinds of things, but none of them stuck. And I think this goes back to the fact that his message is really solid. Like mm. his message is that he thinks really deeply about these issues, but because he has a really poor uh, messaging apparatus, it makes him a target for people to want to go after him. And I just don't think that does him any service. And, I, and he constantly um, like laments the fact that the media goes after him and he doesn't fully understand why. And I believe this might actually be one of the, the main reasons. Yeah, I think you made something really, really, really interesting point. Likeability is totally independent, conceivably, of value. So let's just say that you, I don't know, you're discussing an idea like immigration policy, right? And someone's like, we should have no immigration, and the other person's like, we should allow everybody in, you know, come, you know, in. 
And so if you have like straight up opposing ends of the, the view spectrum, you might think, well, I you know, don't like people who have opposite view to me because they're racist bigots or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, I think it's conceivable that likability is almost entirely independent of your viewpoint or of your message. Mm. And the, uh, the trick, I think, is to be able to discuss a viewpoint that is different to somebody else's in a way where they like you more. So you don't learn anything from people that agree with you. And often people just like people that agree with them. But to me, I think you can be likable even if you have a different point of view. And, and especially if you need to be likable if you have a different point of view, if you hope to have others c consider your point of view. So to me, working on likability, aka likability is messaging, right? Yeah. Is kind of perhaps the, the key to be able to operate in life. Because if you don't like people, they don't listen to you. And if you don't, if they don't listen to you, then you don't make any, you know, can we work together? Can we build a product, you know, blah, blah, blah. So agreeable disagreement, which is a sort of blog I wrote, is perhaps the most upstream thing. Because if you don't, if you can't disagree, you can't have a discussion. You know, it's just all, everyone's agreeing, you know, yes, men, around Xi Jinping, yep. right? Yep. And if you can't do that, then, you know, again, so, so therefore the most important thing is messaging. Everything else is secondary to that. Yeah, so like, I kind of want to just clarify it. We're not trying to say that you, the message isn't important or that you need to figure out a way to deliver your message so that you can get your point across because it's, it's this idea around like, well, my, you know, the truth shall set you free. Like if I have the truth on my side, that should be enough, right? Well, there's a reason why you have lawyers. <laughs> there's a reason why we have things play out in a court of law because packaging it in a way that can actually be uh, like comprehended and received by an audience of jurors is really important. And so what I, what I think is a really great example in my own life was when I first got my first set of feedback at my first job. Uh, and the feedback was basically around the perception that I was a very arrogant individual. And my career counsellor, who you all get one at, a, at the time, said, look, I know you, James. I know this is not your character. But the reality is this is how people perceive you. So it's not about arguing against the feedback. It's about understanding that based on people's interactions with you, this is how you are being received. So you can either stomp your feet and um, you know puff your cheeks and say, well, everyone else is wrong. The truth <laughs> is I'm not arrogant. Or you can say, well, okay, there's a reason why people think I'm arrogant. Yeah. And if I can understand that and then address that, that's how I can actually, uh, you know, move the needle and change my reality. So mm. even though there's a truth at the core, my message, there's this space in between me and other people that is also just as relevant, I feel. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that, I, you know, I suppose growing up, I thought that how I thought of myself was how others thought of me. Like the concept that how I might be perceived was different to how I thought I was perceived 
was and, and I had no idea, like a nad for that. It was like it was. I thought the two were fused. And this whole, you know, Socrates, know thyself. Um, the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, in hindsight, I had done no examination of myself <laughs> as an 18-year-old, right? Um, and I've, I've come to believe that, yes, you can learn about yourself by examining yourself. So for instance, listening to yourself talking in a podcast. But that it's much better and that I don't think you could get to be full awareness of how others perceive you without having input from others. Mm. And I think the vast majority of people, like whatever, 90% are the heroes of their own story. When something goes wrong, well, I was valiantly trying to do the right thing and it didn't go right, but that's not my fault. You know, it's only because I had a bad luck, like turn of luck or somebody else messed up, you know? And so I think that most people don't realize they have weaknesses, do you know, unless they've been pointed out consistently over time. Uh, and so this is a huge one. I would expect now that my perception of myself, you know, as, as in how others perceive me is probably you know, between 10 and 80% with certain people, right? Because how people perceive you is related to context, etc. But that to get to that 80% involves other people telling me, you know, like what they think. Maybe there's three schools of thought of how I'm perceived, you know? Um, and so anyways, a huge, huge, huge component of personal growth and something that we try to do at Ed Rollo is to talk about how others perceive you. So in feedback, mm. how do others perceive you? It's a separate section. And it's like, no, 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 we're not talking about strengths and weaknesses. We're just talking about how others perceive you. Um, and, and almost always like say what? <laughs> like, uh oh, you know, this, this is not good, not good. Yeah. No, no. Um, that uh, everybody's the hero of their own story is is one of the um, like pearls of wisdom that I've only really um, come across recently. That I just I, it, it 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 was a foundational realization for me, and it's changed the way I perceive people um, like significantly. Uh, because like you pull this apart a little bit more like so you know um we all think we're the good guy right um un unless not all you know, most people there are some well what um, jokers in this world yeah oh uh, well um there's a very interesting follow-up interview between jordan peterson and one of the archbishops um of the catholic church who had this very argument but i won't digress um so take your point most people are heroes of their own story most people believe themselves to be a good actor in the world or in their life that plays out um but this when you attribute to other people you then start to see um the actor observer bias or asymmetry come into play so this is when i myself i will judge other people on their behavior based on their personality whereas i'll judge my own behavior based on um, particular situations right so if i have to cut in a lane on the on the um on the freeway it's because i'm late for work and oh, look i just i had to do it whereas someone cuts in front of me they're an absolute jerk because they're inconsiderate <laughs> and they're just trying to push in and this is where i feel like it's super um it's super helpful to remember that people are doing the best they can with what they have or at least most people let's just generalize here mm. and if i don't then think about well, if my messaging isn't packaged in a way that allows other people to see me as someone trying to be the hero of my own story, then I'm just, they're not going to take the time to attribute that to myself. Yeah, another, another way of describing what James said is fundamental attribution error, which is a cognitive bias, which is where if you do something that might have been specific, it's because you were you know, cutting someone off in traffic because so you're rushed to get to the hospital, but someone else does it because they're a dickhead, right? Uh, and you sort of do that everywhere. 
Um, but I think if we're trying to get back to this again, message versus messaging. Um, to me, going into a conversation and thinking, what did I learn? So is it, is it like, no, I'm going to explain why I'm right. And obviously, they're going to understand that and change their mind. You know, <laughs> might have been 18-year-old Duncan or something, Joan. Um, but now, it's going, it's from, from explaining why you think you're right to, okay, I'll begrudgingly you know, try to listen to them, even though obviously I'm right. And if I wasn't, you know, no reasonable person could have possibly done that to, to the sort of next level, which is, okay, am I, I'm actually aiming to learn, right? So I used to be trying to explain what I've done and why I'm right. And then if I, they said something wrong, defend, defend, you know, try to find a way to you know, nullify their, their point, you know, to, to going into being like, oh my God, okay, I'm going in there trying to learn. So there's, there's just so total phase shift, right? So yeah, literally, I think at school you're taught, you know, if, you, if you're right, then you get the marks or whatever, uh, or you, you did, I did debating, right? You certainly don't want to walk in the other side opposite and then capitulate me and think about, you know, no, I agree with them. You know, that's not what you're doing, right? Um, and so, so that's one part. And the other part is how does the other person feel? I didn't even think about that. So the first part I was trying to do exactly what I considered to be 180 degrees wrong. Trying to make sure I was right and justify why I was right and defend, 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 defend right? And then the second part was, how did the person feel? I didn't even know about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't even a thought. So one, I was doing 100% wrong, and one, I was doing 0%, you know? So this is a, this is a recipe for a great outcome. <laughs> well, I think um, the second port, um, point you make around empathy is important because I feel like for point one, which is go into the room with the view of trying to learn the other person's side first, I could probably attribute to Jordan Peterson in his interview with, with Barry Weiss. Like, I believe he was he thinks he was trying to do exactly that. I believe he thinks he went into that interview thinking, I'm more interested in learning from Barry about her experiences and her views on particular topics than trying to push my own agenda or point of view. I actually think that's how he viewed himself. But I think he missed that fundamental second step, which was... It, like deploying uh, effective empathy around how he delivered that message or how he would potentially create an environment where that was uh, much more conducive to um, being explored. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, it's writing a note here. <laughs> um, so to, to me, um, if you view each opportunity, right, as, an, as, a, as time to learn, and each one as an opportunity to build a unit of likability. That's a total phase shift, right? Yeah. And then each interaction, because again, um, I don't know, they used to think the earth was flat and, and then, you know, they didn't know about whatever. Newton invented momentum or whatever. Wait, <laughs> you know, they, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and so to me, I don't know why, but I think, well, I think I know why. Like it used to be that the earth was zero sum and that there was a fixed amount of various and beasts. Um, and so, so many of our stories are about prevailing winning or losing you know sport is zero sum there's a winner there's a loser you can't have two winners right hmm. um and in the bible or whatever you know you go to heaven or hell etc um but to me everyone can get to heaven right <laughs> um and that there can be in, in proper things win-win and so a, a good conversation is win-win right um or positive sum and actually if you do that then you people will want to talk to you again um and the core part of that is not that you have the same viewpoint. It's or that they didn't know something, help teach them something new. It's that they, at the end of it, like you more than they did at the start, and that you're looking to learn. 
So at the end of it, you might be like, hey, blah, blah, blah. It's like, thank you, I didn't know that. You helped me understand this component. That doesn't mean that you now agree with them. But if they're like, oh my God, I, learned, they, they, they helped them learn something. That's great. And so to me, that's what these podcasts are as an example. I believe our tone and whatever messaging has, has massively improved. <laughs> um, it's still got a long way to go, don't get me wrong. But it's about learning at the end of it. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And like, one of the mental models I find super useful from uh, the, the world of product is um, the job to be done or what is the job to be done. And when I try and attribute that to any form of interaction I have with another individual or a group of people, mm. um, you know, nobody wants to quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole. And, and if I take enough time to apply that to a, a meeting I'm going into or a conversation I'm about to have, I can, I can quickly pull apart any uh, point of view that I want to get across as being, you know, my own selfish ego wanting to be right, as opposed to, well, I feel like the job to be done in any interaction is to get to the higher truth. Now, I might think I have a well-informed opinion on that, but if I need to interact with other people to play that out, then the job to be done is to get other people's uh, input on that. And the best way to do that, I believe, is to ensure that my messaging encourages them to come to the table or the conversation with their viewpoints as well. Mm. I'm just going to push back on one part. I don't know if there is a higher truth for many things. Like there, there are some things like physics and we're, we're slowly getting better at understanding, you know, quantum mechanics and whatever else, right? But then there are other areas where it used to be really uniform. I don't know. Everyone was, you know, sort of um, having children. Uh, but now to me, as an example, not having children is fine. I, mean, I don't plan on having children. Having children is fine. You know, needing to get married to have children is fine. Having children out of wedlock is fine. Having an open relationship to me can be fine. You know, so to me, you know, as an example, like I try to sort of, you know, constantly think about improving my view about what I, how to live a good life, what kind of relationships that I want in my life. And constantly trying to, I suppose, question or stress test children as an example. Um, and so uh, the only thing I said for James is a higher truth. Um, I don't know that there is, right? Because you're, you're able to change your mind. Like anyone, you know, change your mind, I don't mind. Um, uh, but to me, speaking to someone who has a different point of view, for instance, James has children and I think he's very, 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 very happy with that decision, you know? <laughs> um, and I don't, and you know, at the current time, I'm very happy with that decision, you know, sort of thing. Um, and that doesn't mean that I have to tell him why he's wrong <laughs> or, or something, or he has to constantly explain to me that I've made poor life decisions and that I need to change them you know, pronto. So to me, the point is, and the job to be done, I think is to learn and to increase your opportunities to learn in the future. And all else equal, either you can be ignorant forever and then ignorance is bliss, but you've got to assume that your ignorance breaks, right? And that as such, if ignorance can't be maintained, that therefore learning is the best strategy. And learning is the you know most upstream component of building a good life, right? Yeah. Um, and so as such, optimizing learning equals optimizing chance of good life. And so therefore, you go in trying to learn something, not tell someone why they're wrong and you're right. And if you want them to come back and have a discussion with you in the future where you can learn, at the end, they should like you more than they did at the start and they're more likely to do that. Mm. Uh, um, okay, so first, I should, probably have, I should probably clarify. So when I say high truth, I don't mean some set of universal laws like what Sam Harris would have us believe around there being, um, you know, some universal truths that we could all adhere to. Um, 
it might have been a poor choice of words and you could equally use something like um, you know root cause or um, uh, first principle but what I mean by that is when you are engaging in an activity uh, oftentimes you can uh, think it for a particular reason but if you scratch that surface if you ask yourself for example why five times you will get to a much deeper reason and I think what you touched on Duncan is like the like the reason for any interaction is to is for learning right if um, if 18 year old Duncan went into an interaction he would probably think to himself it's to get my point across because I'm right and other people need to you know bend themselves to my way of thinking um, but if you you know got into a room with 18 year old Duncan and asked him you know why is that important why is it important for other people to think the way you do you might get to a different answer so I think that's just the one thing I wanted to try and at least clear up here is that hmm. uh, it, the reason I think messaging is so important is not just so that other people will like you. It's because, as you mentioned, it creates the best possible environment for everyone involved to learn from that interaction. I totally agree. Um, like. I suppose now I try to seek out people that have got different points of view. Um, and whether that's listening to political views on the spectrum, you know, as in like, you know, left, right, et cetera, whatever, or whether it's listening to people uh, talking about, you know, how to you know, live a good life. And so why, why do monks go and sit in monasteries and meditate all day? You know, it's not what I personally want to do. Some meditating, not all day, you know? Um, and so to me, it's literally the opposite. It's like, some people, I think, just want to sit in the echo chamber. They want to have people that agree with them. Do you know what I mean? And people that don't agree with them are people to be yelled at and told that they're silly. And to me, it's the opposite. It's like, try to find as many people with this, but try to have a positive sum, win-win interaction, where at the end, you both like each other more. And that doesn't mean that they need to be now believe what you believe or you believe what they believe. You can still both believe two totally different things, you know? Um, and so to me, I suppose I didn't get that at all either. It was kind of like, well, Someone's moving towards someone's direction, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not both just both having totally different points of view, but now that's totally yeah. cool. Hmm. Yeah. I think one of the um, other elements about messaging that I, I find um, is, is, is fundamental is that it helps to build trust. And what I mean by that is it's, it's one thing to get into a room with people who have opposing views, but if I don't trust that person to have at his highest interest um, you know wanting to learn beyond his own point of view if I feel like that person is really just has his own self-interest at heart then I don't feel like I can trust whatever message he has to give me and so messaging can be a powerful conduit to building that trust because if um, if two people feel like that um, the objective here is to is to learn and to uh, better each other rather than to simply try and win the debate that's where the opportunity I think arises for both people to benefit from that in exchange mm. yeah it's, it's like so much fun uh, <laughs> like, I don't know like it's almost like the good learn from everything and everyone the average only from themselves and the stupid already know everything you know that, that old Socrates quote right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so if, if you can't learn from every interaction with some other human then I think it's possible to learn from almost every interaction with other humans. 
And I suppose society, I think, is like set up that there is a right and a wrong answer, that the politicians try to tell you that, you know, we have the right answer to education. We have the right answer to the vaccine rollout, you know. Um, and they're trying almost to have this divisive, you know, like they're right or we're right, they're wrong, you know, outcome. Um, and there are some, I suppose, politicians that are sort of dividers and some that are uniters. Um, and for better or worse, unfortunately, you can be successful as a politician with either strategy, right? Trump being a great divider, um, you know, I don't know, FDR being a great uniter, um, as an example. Um, but to me, I don't know, look at Trump now. <laughs> Where is he? He's not, he's not like, you're super happy. And do people roll out well, the red carpet for Obama? I think so. Do people he's try going to back mock into Trump? the White House up? next month, isn't he? <laughs> is he, actually? Well, he would have you believe that. <laughs> okay. As in, as in do, I mean, sorry, go to visit or is he thinks he's going to be? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, long story short, concentrating on likability is, is like something that I didn't do at all. I was told to, to be authentic or whatever it is, right? To be yourself. Be yourself. Yeah. Figure out who you are and be that. And not being that is lying to yourself and others. Um, whereas now I'm like, don't be a dick. You know, that's like just number one rule of life. And it's fucking difficult. I shouldn't use the F word to actually not be a dick. Like it takes constant work to try to learn how others perceive you and to make sure that you're not doing this because I didn't realize, but I was unfortunately acting in a way which I would not want to, totally un unknowingly. Oh, it just reminds me of uh, my favorite um, two by two matrix introduced by you Duncan at the moment, which is um, consciousness and competence. And you go from unconscious incompetence all the way up to unconscious competence and how much I feel like that has been the story of my life when it comes to my, not just messaging, which is how I express, but just how I, um, how I allow myself to be perceived in the world. Like I think for the majority of my life and my adulthood, I had unconscious incompetence in managing my self image. And it couldn't be better um, exemplified in me coming across as not only arrogant in my work life, but I think um, there are examples in, in social circles and stuff like that where I would meet people and after two or three times where they got to know me, they're like, you are nothing like I thought you were. When you first met. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> um, and that would keep popping up again. And I think things like this podcast and having friends like you, Duncan, <laughs> who continually loop back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it into my awareness. Have I been able to bring this into the conscious competence, right? I had to first realize I was consciously incompetent in this area, mm. but then by being consciously competent at it, I could work at it on a regular, regular basis. And so it's just building that up, that like, um, you know, that, uh, that reserve of changing my behavior, not like manipulating it, not about um, being inauthentic, but about being aware that if I want to come across a certain way, I have to model that in the way I choose to communicate, not just my verbal language, but my body language um, and a host of other things as well. Totally. Um, I think you want to be able to like, I don't know, like, you know, I think maybe there's like, it's a likability is kind of perhaps a sort of, I don't know, a, a negative sum or zero sum word. I want everyone to like me. You know, this isn't about that. It's about not having them dislike you, you know, without your intentionally doing that. So I think with it's the benefit of hindsight, I messaged a lot of things 
in a way that I thought was good, but was effectively me trying to tell them why I thought what I said was right, and by you know therefore inference that they, if they had a different point of view that they were wrong, right? <laughs> Not offering up a idea for consideration. Um, and so I think. This is not some sort of, uh, I need to be, you know, sort of external validation, you know, etc. It's just, it's just not constantly shooting yourself in the foot. It's not constantly trying to help affect change to make the world better, but actually having everyone just like go away, you know. And whilst I think it's not black and white, to me, I sort of wrote a blog, you know, being easy to work with is the product of hard work. You do not become easy to work with without figuring out what it is and then systematically cultivating it. Just like you're not born able to do maths, you don't have any idea how to use Excel, right? You don't have, any, you know, you're crap at using Excel, you're crap at being user-friendly. Do you know what I mean? Maybe user-friendly is a much better term. Like, your user-friendliness, and put in a good way, equals likability, but it's, it's, it's genuine, you know, uh, positive likability. So how would you use, how would you describe this, Jack? Like, what's your words to describe it? Yeah, I'm trying to think of it as as, um, as I listen to you speak right now. Don't be and a I dick is one, <laughs> but it's not it's not just that. It's also yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like um, removing downside, I don't think goes far enough to explain this, right? Because it um, it's it's asymmetric in a way that as long as you have no negative, it still doesn't. I think go all the way to explaining how um, you know constructing your messaging is a very powerful tool so likability i agree isn't the answer um i i like i'm, I'm really stumped that it's, it's got something to do with diplomacy and the reason why i think that is because diplomacy actually brings awareness to the other person or the other side and like puts those persons or that party's interest on an even keel and I think it's, 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 it might be this idea of respect. And if you can express that in a way that the mm. other person feels like they're being respected, like that's why I find things like steel manning so potent because oftentimes when you're um, you know, in a battle of ideas or you're, you're sharing contrasting ideas, um, the, the temptation is to straw man the other person's um, message. But mm. if you steel man it instead and you... What, you're, what I feel like you're doing is not giving their argument a better um, chance for succeeding. What I feel like you're actually doing is showing that other person that you are doing your best to understand their point of view. Mm. And I feel like what that does is that that brings their guard down, that makes them feel less contentious and adversarial. And more like that they can actually trust you because if they feel like that you're doing your best to understand their point of view, they won't have to fight so hard for it. Maybe we should draw a two by two matrix. It's like, it's easy to like someone who agrees with you. It's very difficult to like someone who disagrees with you. So the trick is to be able to disagree with someone and have them like you. Mm. Um, and so that's, um, you know, want to listen. And so to me, it's like, if you, someone you said you like says something, great idea. Someone you dislike says exactly the same thing, horrible idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whether you're conscious of it or not, it, it precedes you, you know? It, 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 and so to me, I suppose in some respects, uh, there's, there's credibility, which is how good your ideas have been. And so, you know, but then there's likability, which is how, how much you've had others be able to, uh, I suppose on first impression, consider your ideas. 
And that, that, that first impression affects the long run view of how good your track record is. Because if nobody listens to you, you, you kind of, even if you should have got a chalked up in a unit of credibility, you don't get one, you know? Mm. Um, and so to me, it's really interesting. It's like learning how to converse in a way where you don't agree, but somebody learned from you and liked you more is almost like the key to being able to live a good life. It's like, no, I don't know, that's a massive overreach, but it's like, well, if you're gonna communicate with others, like, yeah. How do you communicate a view that's different to someone's where they learn from you and like you more? Figure that out. Well, well I feel like um, comedians have this figured out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about necessarily finding someone who disagrees with you, but at least when I listen to people like Dave Chappelle, um, you know, even John Oliver or John Stewart, they're willing to be confronting, right? Like John Stewart will go talk to people at Fox um, News. Like um, I'm, I'm blanking. I, he didn't ever talk to Sean Hannity, but the person before him. Um, and he will confront them with a whole host of topics that he feels like they're either being duplicitous or dishonest or misleading on all of these different kinds of things. But he has managed to do it in a way that disarms the, the personal side from feeling like they're being attacked. And I feel like, you know, this is something that, um, you know, like Jordan Peterson likes to talk about how the court jester back in medieval time wasn't actually just this fool who would um, entertain the court. He was actually the only person in the room who could tell uh, the king the truth based mm. because he was seen as this um, absurd caricature he could save face by saying what everyone was really thinking. Like this would like, it makes sense to me hearing that. I don't know if that's factually or historically true or not, but mm -hmm. it, when, when you, when you hear that being said, you can see how that would play itself out. So it's, it's, it's really, really hard. I think, um, to find a reliable or consistent formula of being someone who can either a disagree or be confront and still be likable or still, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I was just trying to think, who are the best communicators that I can think of, right? Um, and I don't know, the first one that comes to mind is like Bobby Kennedy. Um, there's a wonderful documentary on Netflix on him. And his way to communicate and to cross divides and other stuff was just extraordinary. Um, it's, it's hard to sort of explain, but like, there's an authentic interest that he takes in people, an authentic humbleness, but also a deep knowledge base of whatever the hell he's talking about, do you know what I mean? But, but not, um, sort of wielding it as like a, I'm, I'm smarter than you because smartest smarter whereas I think Peterson does that. He's like, well, I, I know more than you and I'm just going to interrupt you in the middle of you and tell you that you're wrong. You know, <laughs> that's like half his interviews, right? Um, and I'm trying to think of people like that are sort of more contemporary. Like, mm, I think like, I don't know, for better or worse, that Rudd is, is quite a good communicator. Um, Kevin Rudd, who's a big from Australia. And that's one of the reasons why I think he had strong popularity amongst the, um, you know, the body politic, but that he's working internally, uh, not such an easy character to work with. That's, that's a good communication doesn't necessarily make everything, <laughs> uh, but it'll, it'll, you know, it'll make everything harder if you don't have it uh, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, have you got any ideas of, or any, any examples of people that really communicate James? Well, the super obvious example um, that I can think of is, you know, someone like Obama. And I think humility is a very, very interesting and valid point. Um, and 
credibility plays into that as well, right? If you're if you're if you're trying to be someone who can confront or offer opposing viewpoints, if the if people don't treat you or receive you as someone who is credible, then it's even hard to come across as humble in the first place. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very very clear I feel when you are talking to someone who a knows what they're talking about but b don't do it in a manner that can be construed as pontificating or being sanctimonious about it they're really just someone who feels like that this is their current level of understanding and at any point in time they are open to new data coming in and either um you know building on top of it or completely tearing it down it's like mm. when when you feel like somebody has achieved in disassociating their identity to their idea and they're just talking about the idea like it exists outside of them that's when you feel like i don't know i feel i i, I think that's when it can remove the personal side and you can just have a conversation around the topic of hand without anyone feeling like they're being attacked that's part of it. I mean, so one of the things recently, um, Ricky Gervais and Sam Harris have been doing a podcast together. Oh, uh, and, to and I all else um, believe that, I, don't know, I think that all three have really good, so let's say Peterson, Harris, uh, Gervais. Um, I think all three of them have really high quality points or message, right? But I think that Peterson is the worst at messaging, um, that he is sanctimonious, that he interrupts, that he's, you know, like uh, really what? And then I think Harris, he gets also emotional. He can get quite frustrated and irate. Harris is much less likely to get irate to me. He's more even killed emotionally. But he says some what I consider to be really com- abrasive or combative words. He's like, I just don't agree. Or, you know, things. And that, that can really get people offside. So while he's not getting emotionally animated, he is really combative with this. And I think Gervais, maybe humor is a master level um you know a sort of communicator skill where you can disarm people through having to you said communities have got sort of down but also his his way of saying things is really soft like there's if there's, there's soft and ab- one end and absolute and the other end of the continuum mm. he'll talk about i don't know atheism to to religious people and you hear him talking about it and they'll listen they, they won't act up you know um and so to me it's part humor it's part softness it's part sort of humility like for someone that um like he can talk about being rich and people laugh about it. And that's like one of the most on the nose things in the current climate possible. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so that's like a master level communicator. I think yeah. Gervais is one of the best I can think of at the current time. Yeah. If I can be fair though, I think with comed- um, comics, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because if you get angry at a comedian, then it's kind of like reflecting poorly on you as someone who quote unquote can't take a joke. Right, as opposed to some like, comedians are just into... brutal. It's not well, they are. It's, just, it's just racism they are. with one veneer of your humor. So to me, some of them are really, really clever, like Gervais, and others aren't, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Ricky Gervais of the world, um, Chris Rock's, all of uh, Dave Chappelle's. Um, I feel like you could probably have a contrast where, let's just say, you Duncan sat in a room with Jordan Peterson, and it got into a very heated discussion. Uh, Somebody observing this wouldn't walk away thinking, well, Duncan clearly is just um, not able to see Jordan's point of view. They would probably think both people were equally at fault. But if you got into a discussion with a comedian like Ricky Gervais and you got heated, 
I think first thing is he won't because he'll see that it's funny that you're getting worked up. Uh, and then someone outside of that discussion would probably view it as you being in the wrong. Um, not, mm. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but with, with comedians, one of the things that they have, I, I, I love Kanye's um, line in his song is that when he th- talks about the people at SNL um, calling him an a-hole, he said, you think I'm an a-hole, you, you, you've got jokes, right? So they can hide behind a joke. Um, in order for them to get a contentious view across or to call someone something like that. Um, but I feel like I'm getting off track talking about comedians rather than the whole messaging. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, um, I think that I don't know if Peterson has ever done a podcast talking about messaging, right? It's, it's always like the underlying issue or something. Um, and so to me, I think maybe a nice podcast idea is just to pick a discussion, it can be two politicians talking, it can be just, you know, two whomever, like, you know, musicians. And then you just comment on their messaging. You just take snippets and you comment on it. You're not commenting on the message, you comment on the messaging. And I, I suppose I didn't even see messaging that was a 20 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like, I suppose I was subconsciously affected by it. I'm very confident I was, but I had no conscious awareness of it. Yeah, I just saw message. And so to me, you've got to try to see message and messaging in others. When I'm doing, I don't know, a, a presentation or something, I'm spending now more than 50% of my time thinking about messaging. Um, and, the, you know, email, you know, I will reread, I try to reread all emails and try to think about how do I make not just the messaging clear, but the tone and energy right, the word choice, etc. Uh, and so it's just... Super hard. So I think, yeah, I'd love to have a chat with Peterson about messaging of others. Because I don't know if he's thought about it that way. It appears he's just, you know, cultivating super hardcore message, but not messaging. Mm. Well, I think this whole idea around, like, just by bringing uh, awareness to words like messaging, increase, like, it just brings awareness to the idea itself. Like you would say, like, I was unconsciously uh, incompetent on my messaging because I just had no awareness of it. But when we start bringing this, it, it's like you didn't have to learn the concept of messaging once someone said there is such a thing as messaging exists. Like you just would have intuitively picked up on like, oh, okay, I, I can see there's a the, uh, distinction between the words I say and how they're being received from someone else. But until this idea is presented to us, we just, we're in the dark on that. Um, and like that, that alone is terrifying because like how much else am I in the dark about right mm-hmm. now that I'm um, either acting out um, unconsciously or it's just, it's controlling. Like I, I can't remember what Carl Jung's um, quoted, but something about like those who do not bring awareness to their um, unconscious biases will be controlled by them and call it fate. And mm. it's, it's a really, really... Um, That's a bloody good quote. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll find the, the, the proper one, but it's, it's about bringing awareness to, you know, certain programmings or inherited beliefs or ways of thinking um, so that you can master them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, great example being like, if, if I get triggered and if I get upset about something, I will just react in that moment and I'll get angry. Whereas if I bring awareness to how I'm feeling at that moment, I can have mastery over it. And I think messaging is one of those elements that before I had awareness on that, I was being completely controlled by it. And I would have 
forgiven myself for just thinking, well, that's just fate. I'm just seen as some arrogant douchebag who, um, you know, people don't really understand. But as soon as I realized, well, actually, no, the onus is on me to control how I come across. I can change that. Yeah, um, I'm going to make one more point and then I think we do summary because I've got to go. Um, I listen to podcasts quite fast, like five to six times speed. Um, and, and what it's done is it's increased the rate that my mind can think. I didn't start off with that. I just slowly went from 1 to 1.1 to 1.2 to 1.3 and then now I'm up to 5 point something, right? Um, but what it's allowed is that I can normally you know, say you're not your thoughts, you're the observer of your thoughts. Um, and... To me, this is part of meditation, is trying to be able to become the observer of your thoughts and to be able to dissociate between your feelings. I, I, I am experiencing frustration to I am frustrated. I am experiencing happiness to I am happy. You know, oh, okay, and see this. But the same thing can kind of happen when you're talking. You can kind of be like preloading up words. So you're kind of thinking ahead of where you are and you're thinking about how to make the messaging. Now, I don't do it all the time. The more tired I get, the, the, the less, <laughs> I suppose, aware I am of my... Um, thoughts and my messaging and my emotions everything right um and but i think it's possible and this means that yes you can do post-game analysis so so you you listen to the podcast after and james please give me feedback on messaging for this one in this thing um but you can also get to the point where you're actually real time making conscious decisions about what you're trying to say not just i suppose you know extemporaneously you know wing it uh, so to me that's sort of one of the benefits of being able to um, increase your pace of thinking, which I main avenue I'm aware of that is to, for listening. It means that then when you're talking at one time speed, you, you actually can have your mind going faster than that and thinking about what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 um, I really feel like this whole idea around bringing um, things into a conscious competence level um, is an absolute game changer. Um, and so... Just quickly, the official quote is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung. Mm, good well, one. Carl Jung. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. Um, so this for me is why I feel, you know, having people such as yourself, Duncan, bringing this awareness to something that I previously had very little or nowhere near enough appreciation for is so helpful. And that's why I think um, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible asset to have awareness that your message um, can also be completely misconstrued depending on how you message it is something that I don't think gets enough um, you know, airtime. And I think mm. it's something that is really, really important um, when we learn about how we're interacting with other people. And I think it summed up best um, when Barry Weiss at the end of the podcast, completely not in relating to this as a topic, but she said, everyone needs a good editor. And mm. I feel like th that's so true for life because you can have an incredible story to tell, but if you don't have someone come in and edit it properly, and this could just be your own conscious awareness in this case, then it's not going to be received um, anywhere near as well as it could. Mm. Yeah, summary for me is like the two things. What did I learn? So not going in trying to explain why I'm right to defend against others who say anything why I'm wrong, but trying to go in and offer my thoughts up for consideration in the best way possible and to try to consider others' thoughts and as such learn something. Mm. And then the other one is how did the person feel at the end? 
um, you know, hopefully having them like you more and thereby want to talk to you again in the future. Um, and so to me, I, I suppose I, I didn't have a, a conscious mindset going into a discussion. Um, I had a subconscious mindset, you know, the unconscious, which was why I'm right and defend against anyone who's wrong because being wrong is a tantamount to being stupid and that's the last thing you want anyone to ever think, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, cool. All right. Good discussion, dude. Hopefully with some okay messaging. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to listen to this um, uh, after and then we'll get to decide whether we think we're right or wrong. Um, but we'll see what's what. All right, Doug. See you later. Catch you. Bye.